from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Five o'clock hour, Silver 7's. Happy hours happening right now at two different bars. Silver and gold right in front of the William Hill Racing Sportsbook, and we're here at the Bud Light Lounge, so come on down, 277 on lots of the drinks. Tomorrow we're going to be on the road at LV Ballpark. UNLV will be playing there in a three-game series against Hawaii, so we're doing our live show. Cofield and Company on the concourse before the 6.05 first pitch. There's games on Saturday and Sunday. You can get tickets at Ticketmaster.com. They have a special price on all three games. So I was asking you a baseball question about integrity and betting right. you're seeing these stories right oh yeah that apparently baseball behind the scenes is like yeah we got to soften the ball a little bit let's uh, deaden things cut down on offense like wait you're partners with sports betting i mean i want to know that as a player do do the books know that when they're posting totals early in the season because my my uh mentality going into the beginning of the season was hey i'm gonna play some overs these pitchers can't go more than four innings mm. They're going to get smacked around. Let's play some overs. And then you get out there, and it's a mushy ball. I mean, the, so the question is, like, should they tell sports books or did they? I mean, should they? I can see how you get there probably, given the fact that, you know, they're tied into sports betting and all of that stuff. I think it's more of one of those, like, they're morally obligated as opposed to, like, legally obligated in that realm. I think you would like to know that. Now, I, then you get into, like, not gray area, but – like, to what degree? What are you doing to the ball? What do you expect to happen in terms of scoring? Like, do we want actual numbers from them, or do you just want them to tell books, hey, we're changing the ball, it's probably going to be less offense? Right? Like, to what degree should they share information, I think, is where you kind of get into these conversations where I think there should be conversations about it, especially the more and more they get involved with sports betting. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. Here we go. Jared's back at the Finley Toyota Studios. Danger Danny's running the controls here at Silver 7s. Von Tobel is the company. It's Cofield. You send over stuff sometimes, and I like having you on the show. I like having all you guys. You're all my favorite co-hosts. But I, I like having you on the show because you're the one guy who's actually uh, made love and reproduced. I mean, I think all of us have made love. But, but have, you've, have you made yeah, love? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, <laughs> let's not get into that, right? Uh, we have to hit that with uh, Charles Barkley and more smut mouth later on. But you've reproduced. You've got kids. I don't know what the Screw hell. Screw you, Charles Darwin. Yeah, That's right. I, I, I don't know. What, I, I never thought it was possible uh, when I first met you. But I, you send over stuff, and I'm like, I don't know what this means. What happened? The kid got invited to a birthday party, and it's like this is a big deal. Well, I don't know if it's a big deal. So he got invited to a birthday party. It's like the first you know kid invitation, whatever. Um, so here's my conflicting emotions about this. So it's not anybody we specifically know. It's one of the kids in his preschool class, like, just dropped off invitations for kids in the class. Um, because, you know, I, I was showing you guys the app that I have that shares messages from the teachers and stuff. So one of the things I got was, hey, stop by the desk for a birthday invitation. So I stopped by the desk, and the lady's like, oh, you're in so-and-so's class, right? Or DA? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I'm not in the classroom. I don't know the names of these children. And she's like, yeah, you are. And so she hands me this invitation. So we have an invitation to a birthday party of a little girl that I am assuming is in his class. So he's invited to a birthday. The conflicting emotions I have are I don't want to go particularly. Uh, The whole other parents and kids and whatnot, and it seems like it might be kind of boring. But on the other hand, what if it's one of those instances where this kid has nobody show up to their birthday. 
Like, do I want to be one of the many who contribute to what could be a traumatic childhood experience and not go to this child's birthday party? I don't know where I, I don't know. Those are good thoughts. You're actually a caring person. I have yet to RSVP. And you're not concerned about, like, you're not concerned about your son having friends. Like, you know, he's, he's good to go. He's cool. Oh, no, he's got already, he's already got buddies in his preschool class. Like, okay. that he hangs out with, you know, each time and everything. Like, no, nah, I'm. So far, we're, we're pretty good in that regard. I just more of like like a, a gathering with a lot of kids. It's just. Well, that's a negative right there. That's tough. <laughs> it seems you barely so. want to be around your own kids. That's what parents tell me. Um, I'll tell you. The the oldest boy is how old? He's three. He's going to be four in a couple months. Oh, that's pretty young. At what age? This is for all parents. At what age do you start thinking about uh, your kids' friends um, and actually start thinking about, because I think about stuff like this because I'm old. And I really just have to kind of – I have to find ways to, to have some kind of funds as I go downhill and die. Um, when do you start looking out for your kid's welfare of, like, who he hangs out with? Because I, I tell you, this is true. I know a lot of parents who are like, eh, I guess, guess who the kid's hanging out with? So-and-so's kid. No, really? Like, oh, they're real wealthy. Yeah, he got, got to go over there and, you know. Foods made custom by a chef. I'm like, wow, you're really into this wealth of your uh, kid's friends. Oh, I mean, I would, that'd would be cool for my kid. I'd live vicariously through him. Like, yeah, you sure you want to go hang out with him? Well, he seems a lot better. <laughs> no, I don't I know. Mean, isn't I that mean, terrible? That is terrible. Yeah. I'm not a parent. You're, you're, the parents are the ones telling me this stuff. It should be. You're I mean, greedy I sons of I guess, yeah. My, now, my kid, so here's another dynamic that has been evolving. By the way, so, it, could work in, it could work the other way. Yeah. Could we be could be the family. That, yeah, yeah. Radio star. This guy's on multiple shows. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a bright future. I mean, I'm, you could be the good cat. 31. At what point does the bright future become? You got a lot of time. <laughs> I'm hoping I still have a future. You got to please. You don't have time. Um, so this is the other thing that's developed my kid. So I mentioned that he's got friends in his preschool class. So like when we drop him off, it's like, hi, Diego. You know, everybody's excited to see him. He doesn't know the names of the kids. Like, I'll ask him, like, what's your friend's name? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, they know you by name. Like, they say hi to you every day when I drop you off. And he, and he just goes, hey, guys. And, like, doesn't doesn't ask what their name is. Has no idea. Well, I think you know what the deal is there. Your, your son, and this is the benefit of giving your He's son so a, cool. a, a, a unique name. No, he has a cool name. Uh, yeah. It's a unique name. It's a, it, somewhat unique. If, if he was John 3 or whatever, they'd be like, uh, who? Right. That's what everyone else says. He's like, I can't remember his name. Is it Steve? Daniel and right. stupid, stupid yeah. names. Terrible names. Which, by the way, uh, I think I've told uh, Dangerous Dan this before. The first name that was thrown out there when he was in the womb was Daniel. And I went, Tuh! no. Oh, what a <laughs> gut punch. I tell one of your friends his name stinks. I thought you were kidding. Oh, it's not even about the name. I was just like, no, we're not doing that. No. I'm not, not going to go down this path. <laughs> I like Dangerous Danny. I think we're, we're developing a good relationship on this show. It's hard to, you know. We turn people off pretty quick. <laughs> it happens. You don't say. Yeah. Number four. Uh, you know, the theme of this Big Five needs to be, uh, you ever see that, uh, that Kobe gif when Kobe was saying someone was soft on the floor? Yeah. I like throwing that out every once in a while, you know, because I'm really into the gifs. I think they're already done. But on social media, soft. What do we think of William Carlson, Wild Bill? And like other it. players have mentioned this, that, oh, the hatred of the Golden Knights. Oh, everyone hates us. It means we've accomplished something. <laughs> what do you think of a player noticing that? I mean, I think they're human. They're yeah. going to notice things like that. It's hard not to, especially in today's day and age where everybody has a voice and you can see it all, and social media has kind of become a cesspool of just negativity and whatnot. Do you think it's more amped up on the road? 
Like, is it face-to-face with fans, or is it mostly social media? I think it's both. I mean, it, like, so we talked about the intimacy of basketball. I, I would put hockey probably as the second most intimate, right? I mean, you're they're right there behind the glass when you're talking about any scrums and whatnot. You can probably hear quite a bit. Yeah, Carlson said, my favorite soccer team in Sweden, everyone in Sweden hates them. And uh, <laughs> I, I try the, the team name. Uh, is it low? I don't know. What is it? I don't know either. Ajax I just, or something yeah. or whatever that Ajax team. I don't know where they are. Um, it, it, it reads AI cat. I don't know yeah. how you say that. He goes, and I don't mind it uh, because it's us against the mother blanket world. If that's the way it, uh, you know, if that's the way it means, then we've done something good. I also like athletes tend to do this, right? Oh, yeah. Like galvanize oh, yeah. themselves. Yeah. That's against the world. Like nobody <laughs> believed in us, even though we we're the odds on favorite to do this uh, specific thing, right? Like the, the Alabama linebacker who's like, no one believes in us. Right, like, we're the underdogs. All now, we like, talk about is how unbeatable you are. Minus two fifty. Right, that too. <laughs> Can you imagine if you're in the, you're in the media throng and you just scream the odds, and I'm like, <laughs> right. do you know what this means? Come on. <laughs> It's an implied probability. No, <laughs> and then you look at him, you're like, you're 6'2", 250, and can run a 3'4", right. 40. I'm dead. <laughs> Number three. No one is going to question an Alabama linebacker's toughness. Ben Simmons, it's been a free-for-all. So ridiculous. Like that, I mean, that gif I talked about with Kobe with the soft, Simmons is getting killed. What was the surgery he just got? Uh, expected recovery timeline of three to four months. Uh, yeah, he needed to have back surgery. Soft, faking it, pansy. Other P words that I can't say on the air. Let's go. Play for your team. It's been a year. Tiger broke both legs and came back and played golf before you could play a basketball game. You're so mentally soft. Get back surgery. Unless it's an elective procedure. He just wanted to do it. Maybe he's that soft that he decided to get surgery and have a three- to four-month recovery as a professional athlete on his spine as opposed to, I don't know, you know, whatever. Would you bet me right now... Over 70 games Ben Simmons plays next year. Like, you want to take the over? No, I want to take the under. Um, Don't do it. Just, yeah, no, I, like, well, just given the way – your overall premise, like given the way the Nets handle things and whatnot, he's, yeah. he's not going to play that many games next year. Right. Between load management, he's a quirky guy. Right. I mean, what, what should the number be set at? 55? That's what I thought, too. I still think it'll go under. Yeah. Because it – Back surgery is very serious, all that kind of stuff. So we'll see if that's you know, ultimately going to be something that that wears him down, and you know how he feels by the time we get to the start of the season. Because I mean, think about it: three to four months. So what are we talking about now? We're talking about August, September. I mean, you're coming up right up against the start of training camp for NBA. If you're talking about September and whatnot, so season's going to start in October, end of October. I'd go about fifty-five and lean under. Number two. And now we get to the portion of the show that John's been waiting for for a little while. I'm not going to say all day long because you did another show, and I'm sure that show was fine and there were some good things to talk about. Draymond Green. Well, I only look forward to this because every time you bring up Draymond Green, it's on the end of our hard out where you're just like, yeah, Draymond Green is terrible, huh? You got 10 seconds to respond. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We got all the time in the world. I, I made sure to carve out plenty of time on this one. All right. So if you didn't see earlier in the day, um, for his uh, childish behavior, Dr. Dre, as we call him, Draymond Green, uh, master of kinesiology, he got a fine. I had it 50000 It was 25000 for the double bird. What got me and got a lot of people was what he said after the game, and I think that there's a real problem here. Now, again, if you if you didn't see what happened, how did Draymond Green get his face smashed in? Uh, it took, well, it took an elbow right to the face. Right. Yep. So he's going for a loose ball. Xavier Tillman is there. Boom. Elbow right in the side of the head. 
blood trickling down. By the he's, end of the game, it was all swollen. Yeah, he looked oh, he like looked chunk. Terrible. He looked like uh, what's it, chunk from uh, Goonies, the big guy. He looked like baby he, roots. He looks like he uh, keeps bees. Sloth. There we go. Looks yeah. like he's Rudy Gobert. Yeah, yeah. Right. It, it was pretty blown up. But when he had to run off the floor to go get taken care of, I'm sure he got checked, you know, for whatever a concussion, and you know he's bleeding. Well, the fans cheered. Right. He's he's enemy number one. So he comes in after the game, and then all of a sudden, this is where I have a problem. There is no guy who says that he's you know rough and tumble cheesy term but a tough guy right and he's brutalizing people all the time and he comes into the press conference he's like oh i mean these people are vicious fire this jared what was going through your mind you're going to boot somebody who get elbowed in the eye and face running on blood you should get flipped off so i'll take the fine i'll go do an appearance and make up the money it felt really good to flip them off okay you're seeing the other part of this the arrogance about F you with the money. There's nothing you can do to discipline me because I'll just go make an appearance and make the money back. That, to me, is a problem for Adam Silver. And now that I see it's a $25,000 fine, half of what Kyrie Irving got for flipping the bird at the crowd, this is a terrible look. Draymond Green can do whatever he wants, and he knows it. He said it. He dared them, and they did almost nothing. I'm rich. I don't care. And you know what? F the fans. Like, what is going on here, Adam Silver? Give me the second part because he builds on it again. Like, I'm rich. You're going to boo someone that get elbowed in the eye and blood running down your face? I could have had a concussion or anything. So if they're going to be that nasty, I can be nasty too. Assuming the cheers was because they know I'll get fined. Great, I make $25 million a year. I should be just fine. There you go. The arrogance again. No, let, let, me, let me correct him here. No, the cheers is because... People want you to get injured. That's where you have driven them. That's how vicious they are. You know why? Because you don't give a rat's ass when you play, when you hurt people. Bruh, you created this situation. You don't expect it to come back at you? And I'm talking from the fans and other players, John. When was the last time he did that? He, uh, he's got a history of what? He, right, he does. Steven Adams kicking him in the nuts. Yeah, do what you breaking. How do you say the guy's first name? Marquez Chris. Marquez Chris. Right. Yeah. Oh, oh, you know, it's my natural motion to kick my leg yeah. into someone's hand. He's done this. Right. He's been disrespectful to other players. Guess what? At some point, and and Draymond Green's a big guy, but there's a lot of big guys, John, in the NBA. Like Draymond Green, six six and two hundred thirty pounds. Have you? I mean, I know you have. Have you looked? at who the Grizzlies put on the floor. Right. Yeah. It's like a friggin' football team. Bro, you want to do this? Let's do it. Walk into a press conference afterwards. Oh, what about my feeling? I could have been injured. You broke a guy's hand by kicking it. You kicked Steven Adams in the nuts. You you pulled the guy down by his collar in game one. Oh, like, oh, stop. He did. He, okay, okay, okay. So he got on, a hold of his collar, pulls him down, and he's like, oh, at the last stop, minute, stop. I'm going to help okay, him. Okay, hold on. Hold John, on. No, he, hold has, on. he has created... This situation of retaliation, like you want to play bully ball. This, John, this is very reminiscent of, you know, Bulls to Celtics to Pistons to Knicks to the Heat all, and the Pacers, right? If you want to do this, we're going to do it, but you can't walk in afterwards and go, I might have had a concussion. No, okay, but hold on. So, but I, I disagree. You're, I disagree with the premise that he set this up himself. Like, for example, it was Xavier Tillman who elbowed him, correct? Xavier Tillman entered the NBA last year. So do you think four years ago he was watching? He was like, I will avenge you, Marquise Chris. I will bring this back for you. This is is the way it works. If I'm 6'8 and 250 pounds, 
and I'm kind of, you know, a bruiser, you know, kind of skilled. You know, Xavier Tillman's never going to be some, you know, 25-point-per-game guy. Right. If I watch the way Draymond Green plays and how flippant he is with physical behavior, and I've got John Moran on my team, hey, bro. But, but here's the thing. I'm going I'm to get you before you get him. But here's the thing You ain't going to touch him because I'm going to break your face. But here's the thing that's unfair. The Grizzlies have played like this all year long. This is what the Grizzlies are. They have been a physical team all year long. This is what they do, too. So I don't think this is about like I, like what I you know what I this just, is revenge for. I guarantee Xavier. I, I imagine I could set him up with this. It'd be awesome. I guarantee this is all for LeBron. Remember when the the when Golden State laughed at LeBron when he was sick? Do you know what the, you know what the Grizzlies the did to LeBron? LeBron tried to fight the Grizzlies two <laughs> yeah. months ago because they were laughing at him in Los Angeles. It's the way it goes, man. <laughs> no, it's the way I build my team. It's all to take on the Warriors. It's ridiculous. I love it. It's I love it. And, by, and, and all of this, right? In all of this, I am going to say it. And I've said it consistently. What have I said about Draymond Green? He's a good player, but he can be a detriment to his team because he's out of control at times, and his physicality crosses the line. So am I racist? Am I racist for saying that? I don't want to hear Draymond Green after the game talking about how rich he is and whining about his injuries. Am I racist? No. You sure? Yeah. Okay, we're going to come back and build on this because apparently Mad Dog Russo, who's on first take all the time now and, you know, Sirius XM and back to WFAN, apparently when he says, shut up, Draymond, I guess that means you're racist. Now, back to Cofield and Company. I could see that coming from that camera. I was like, oh, no. Uh, Speaking of coming... I want to talk about ladies and gentlemen, I will call it myself. Chuckster, we're live. What are you talking about? It's not like we can stop and Hey, that's not what I meant. See, y'all mind in the gutter. I mean, he's having a tough time the last couple weeks. Charles Barkley. And they're piling on him. Leave Chuck alone. Sometimes he misspeaks. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. John Von Tobel, Cofield, Dangerous Danny. Just get dangerous there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm amped up today, right? Because you know I love the topic of Draymond Green. Right. I love I love Draymond Green types. Oh! What did I just say there? Why are you standing over <laughs> me? I love Draymond Green types because we've had guys like Draymond Green throughout the history of the NBA, mm-hmm. right? And... They're guys who are rough dudes on the floor. They're outspoken. They have an attitude. You know what? F the league. At times, F the other teams. So, aside from safety aspects, it's it's awesome for the NBA. I don't think it's great to say, hey, screw the fans. Give them the finger. Adam Silver's penalty, $25,000 is weak. But I can appreciate Draymond Green's place in basketball right now. Mm-hmm. Right? I do think he's a know-it-all. I do think sometimes he speaks out of turn, right? Like, dude, you're not certain. The biggest thing is you're not serving your team in the best way because what I'm seeing set up here is you just mentioned the Grizzlies, like Draymond Green can intimidate teams. The Grizzlies ain't going to be intimidated. So they, you know, they shot an elbow to his face. I think it was inadvertent, right? They freaking, Dylan Brooks is out next game. He broke GP2's elbow. So, like, I know Draymond Green has messed with other teams and intimidated them. I wouldn't do it anymore to these guys. 
Because my worry is, and this is this is the downside of Draymond Green, is, and it's funny how now we've we've changed the whole script when he you know when he he and LeBron got into it and he got suspended for a game. There are times Draymond Green goes over the edge and and, and can hurt his team. And the last thing you want is the Grizzlies to be really amped up in a game if Draymond wants to get physical and someone go after Steph Curry or Clay Thompson. Which in the history of the NBA, John, you know when when there was bully ball in the eighties and nineties, that would happen to guys. Right. You know. Like, it wasn't just Draymond Green. You would see freaking, you know, Larry Bird and Isaiah Thomas and Magic Johnson and Dr. J, like, you know. And then basically Bill Lambeer was Draymond Green, right? Right. And you don't want you don't want guys who have a certain role of being physical to change the outcome of a series or change the outcome of your season or change your team's legacy. You go back, Dray- Draymond getting suspended in that game, Golden State's winning that series. That changed the series. But, but no, I, I, I tire of that one. They were up 3-1. They had multiple opportunities after Draymond went out to win that series. That is, that is a tired I, played I, out. I think it gave them hope. Yeah, it gave them hope. I think, they, I think they, were, they were about to step on their neck and break them. They were still up 3-2 when he came back. All right. All right. Still two other opportunities to win that game or to win that series. So do you get my point, though, that there's a line that he can cross that sometimes can be detrimental to the team right yes I, i've never denied that about draymond green at all like i think there are times where he goes a little over the top you know my argument with you has always been there have been times where you have denied how good of a player he is because of the way that sometimes he can act and i have always been firmly in the camp of yeah there are downsides to draymond green i don't think there's anybody that can deny that but i think we're also at the point where you've watched him play over the last few years specifically this year where he seems to be back to near his peak you cannot deny that Draymond Green, the player, is a incredible basketball player. So first take has added in, you know, this longtime radio guy, Mad Dog. They've also got J.J. Redick on the show. I think Redick's awesome, really smart guy, and he played the game. And so he's going to be a player's guy. Listen to Mad Dog go down the path of, you know what, uh, a lot of America is tired of Draymond Green. Just shut the hell up. Uh, okay, uh, so I guess so, you have an issue. Uh, uh, shut up and play, will you please? Uh, America's tired of Draymond Green. I mean, I deal with him constantly. Should be quiet and play. And he's a, we all know he's got a great skill set for that team, but who in the world is sitting there? He's so polarizing, I can't root for him. I can't root for him. Fire the next one. Keep going. Fans <laughs> boo, they're fickle. Fans yeah. boo all the time. Guys get hurt, not hurt. They boo, they don't really mean anything by it. They boo, that's what they do. These, this is what fans do. And then they tell us how much money he makes. Oh, nobody wants to hear it. Huh? Pipe down. Nobody wants to hear it. Oh, you make 25 million. Big, big. What they do? You make 25 million a year. You make 25 million a year. I do not. You do. You made that kind of money in your career. Enough already. So, yeah, he starts yelling at the end there at Stephen A. and at, uh, at Reddick. So, telling Draymond Green to pipe down. I just did it. Mm-hmm. I've done it multiple times. Like, sometimes he just has too much to say. Like, bro, you, you've crossed over the line. It's not being productive anymore. And guess what? You need to self-reflect. You're not always right. No one is. No one is. In what Mad Dog said, Mad Dog's probably 12 years older than me. Did you think that was, hey, you're black, we don't want to hear you talk. Just play basketball. No. I think it was well, pretty clear that was. A lot, a lot of people did. Right. A lot of people did. 
Here, here's Reddick responding to it. They're, they're still screaming at each other. And then Reddick starts doing I, – I, I thought this was kind of just performative nonsense. I'll give you a large segment of older fans who have followed the NBA for 60 years – who are, this is not a political scenario or a race situation, who have followed Wilt and grew up as a Knicks fan, who loved Clyde and loved Reed yeah, but and I, loved I, the I Pearl. Yeah, but I disagree with you on that. I don't think, I don't, I'm not saying the, it's a race situation. I'm saying that this, the, the fans you're talking about, they talk about athletes that way, like you just talked about an athlete. You think that was the same? What Mad Dog was saying, you think that was the same as shut up and dribble? No. With LeBron speaking out on real world issues? No. Because Reddick went right to it. That's why, I, so when we're talking about this instance, the, the issue that comes up for, for Mad Dog is just that he used the same phrase, right? The, the, and that's why I kind of, I agree with you in terms of Reddick bringing this up. I like Reddick a lot. I think he's really good. Like, he's really good at what he does. I actually think sometimes he's too nuanced for a show like that where it's all about having hot takes and speaking in hyperbole as opposed to with fact. Um, but in this instance... He just clung to the fact that he used the phrase, a shut up and play, instead of actually looking at the nuance of why the phrase was used. It was used to shut up and dribble, right, years ago by Fox News commentators and whatnot because they didn't want to hear opinions of black athletes on certain instances that were going around in the world. In this case, Chris Russo is just not a fan of Draymond Green and doesn't want to hear about all the money he makes, so just be quiet and play. And I think that's the separation there. And I, I would agree with the fact that I think it was taken a little bit because I, you know me, I agree wholeheartedly with the fact that NBA players, I think, are criticized more than others. I, I, I think I believe me. Like anyone listening right now, if you're getting some impression right. that like I'm anti Draymond Green for any re, I'm you know what? I'm anti freaking Bill Lambeer. The way Lambeer played, he was a horse's ass. Right. The way he acted, he was a horse's ass. There, there is no bigger thug, right? I know people hate that word, that word, than Grayson Allen. Draymond Green, Grayson Allen's a young Draymond Green. A talented guy. He's not as good, right? But he's a horse's ass. Mm -hmm. He's dangerous. Yeah. And I, I'm telling you, Red, and Reddick kept going. And this is where, like, dude, now I look at Reddick and I'm like, bro, you're an ageist. The people on Fox News talk about athletes that way. Well, that's, I mean, that's, I my, and Fox News that's is, my issue. I, I don't actually care about the fans that watched Bob Cousy play right. or watch Wilt play. I don't care. Right. I appreciate that I, they've been NBA fans that long, right. but I don't appreciate the undertone. No. The person on Fox News you're talking about was Laura Ingram, mm -hmm. who said shut up and dribble. What Mad Dog was saying there had nothing to do with that. It was that, – that's – that was a high-dollar high athlete saying he doesn't give a crap what anyone thinks, and I'll just pay the fine. That was the, hey, we don't want to hear that. Right. Not, it, you're an idiot, you don't have a voice, we don't want to hear you on anything. That's not what he was saying. And for, for Reddick to go there, I thought it was ridiculous. And then everyone's patting Reddick on the back. Like, that was embarrassing. Well, because, and I think what happened was, so, like, take, for example, when the Cavs lost to the Warriors the first time around. And LeBron did the whole thing. It was that series, right, where he said, ah, you know, you guys can go back to your sad, pathetic lives. You know, I've got mine, and I'm rich, and you know, all that kind of stuff. And the response to that was, you know, hey, we don't want to hear that screw you type of deal. And, that, and that's what Russo's responding to. We don't want to hear about the money you're making and everything. Like, Reddick's overall point is sound. He's just using the wrong time he to make that He used the wrong point. guy and the wrong example. Correct. But, but, no, he, but he is right. There right. are a lot of people out there who do want to see NBA players in particular, for an obvious reason, shut the hell up and play. Right. But and, I, that, and that is wrong. And believe me, I've been pointing that out 
for like the entire time I've been on sports radio. But I we think we can be nuanced enough. I was like, wait a second, what it? Because what was happening is the other thing is the clip that was sent out, the first part that we played with the two Russo cuts, no one had that. Right. I didn't hear that anywhere. And I wrote my notes this morning. I'm like, where's the rest of the conversation? Not just Reddit going Fox News and, you know, you're an old guy. Right. And, and, of course, you know, when you watch that clip, you see a 64-year-old going, talking about 60s basketball. And kind of – and <laughs> yeah. he's got to stop. <laughs> he he, you know, the, he's yeah, the one stop. thing when he's like, I know fans who've been watching for 60 years. Chris, you got to stop referencing them. I know they called you back in the day, but, like, it, it, they're past their prime, man. It right. doesn't mean you know, we don't have to hear anything they say. But there are a lot of people who really haven't watched the NBA in the last 20 years. And they've been bitching about the same thing going all the way back to freaking the Iverson era. Right. You know, and the dress code. I mean, that, that was the most thinly veiled nonsense ever. That's And Stern pushed it. Yep. So. No, I agree. I, I think J.J. Redick on that show is awesome. I think him telling Russo to shut the hell up is great. I think Russo talking about, you know, older fans, maybe not 85 years old, is great too. So. I think he's good for the show. I think they're both good for the show. I think he I think It's the one time you see, you see Stephen A's like. Yep. Uh-huh. Just laying back. Well, like I said, because in the past, it has all been about hyperbole and extreme takes on either side. And, and Reddick, you know, he provides nuance to arguments. And there has never been that kind of pushback on any of those shows. There's This is not a shot at them. There's never been logic on those shows. It's all been about take opposite sides and scream at each other. And he provides that, and it gives you a refreshing stance. Well, where are you going to go? <laughs> Let's start there. Wong drives on deep into right field. This one towards the pole. This one is. Well, where are you going to go? <laughs> this one is crushed. Deep. Grand slam for Rowdy Tellez. Well, where are you going to go? <laughs> Good times in Cincinnati. They lost again today. Run lined again. 8-5 final? 10-5. 10-5. 10-5 final. Two-run shot late. Uh, highlights from yesterday's game, which was, what, 18-4. Rowdy Tellez. And now I'm blanking on the other home run. Whatever, whatever. Reds, check that. Brewers TV on the call. Three and twenty-two. They've lost. Is it nineteen of twenty or twenty of twenty-one? I can't even keep up anymore. Nine in a row. Yeah. And yeah. in the last twenty-one, lost on the run line. Nineteen out of twenty-one. Yeah, my lord, that one for sure. Yeah. Where else are you gonna go? <laughs> whoever the whoever the wow the lackey was laughing with him. You know it's funny, and I won't call him a lackey. Because um, I think he's a really good radio guy. I think it was such an awkward moment that it was kind of like a nervous laugh. That's actually Mo Egger. That's Mo Egger, really, because yeah, yeah. I like him a lot. But it was such an awkward moment where, you know, you look at someone and you're like, okay, I'm in a weird position here because we're the red station. Yeah. The owner's acting like a jackass, the owner's son. So nervous laugh. But the laugh sounds like he's laughing, so we left it on there. Get him on. Get him on. Let's go. Mo? Let's grill him. We'll get him on. Let's grill him. I don't know what he would do. I don't know if he, I, I'm guessing he wouldn't defend him, but who knows? But what a perfect scenario the way it's unfolded. Red's owner basically says we're not going to spend money on the team. We just went through a lockout. The system still sucks, so you're going to get what you're going to get, Cincinnati. And then they start the season three and twenty-two, getting their tails whipped. And they sent a what is he? Twenty-one years old. They sent Hunter Green, one of their first-round picks, who throws you know 102 miles an hour. Probably isn't ready for the bigs. He wasn't today, and he gives up eight runs, five home runs. So, way to go, brother. That's what you do, Steve. Way to There's go. There's no brother. way you can develop any, like, you know, it's not like he can get mentally shot after just getting shelled multiple times. 
You know, I want to clarify one thing I was saying about Draymond Green, about um, him talking about how much money he makes and the fine and all that. Um, and I think I said a couple times what he's saying is bad for the league. It's actually not bad for the league because he's such a villain. If what he's saying and the way he's acting really turns into action and he continues to play physical to the point where he's hurting guys on the other team, it's, it's the action that would be bad for the league. The talk is not bad for the league because this only provides more interest. I just saw someone, it's funny, someone in uh, a newspaper guy in Memphis just tweeted, because, you know, Memphis now lost a player, right? Dylan Brooks for his mm-hmm. hard foul right. on GP2. GP2 goes down, fractures his elbow, right? So... This Mark Giannato said, Draymond Green didn't get suspended because Brandon Clark is better at landing. Wait, what? Say that again? Draymond Green didn't get suspended because Brandon Clark is better at landing. Okay. So he's saying it's the, the, the game three suspension is based but on the outcome of the fall. It, it, it is to an extent, but also, like, okay, first off, Draymond's flagrant was widely considered to be one of the softest flagrant two fouls that we've seen in a really long time. Like, uh, almost every single person who watches basketball extensively came together in a moment and said that was a ridiculous flagrant two to call. Dylan Brooks, you can make the argument that he got suspended because of the result. What Dylan Brooks did was reckless. It was reckless. He, it was the definition of a flagrant two. He wound up, he was late, he came down on his head, and then he landed, and the land resulted in an injury. Like, I, I don't know, like, that's... I think that's pretty clear the difference is there. Which is why, too, by the way, I keep pushing back on your, you know, the result of his physical play. His physical play was about five years ago. He's even addressed it himself in terms of saying, he, there was a press conference just two weeks ago where he said, you guys know how I used to get in terms of the plays. I don't need to expand on it. He has addressed those sort of things. And his last physical play was on a flagrant two that was probably one of the worst flagrant twos that you're going to see in recent memory. And also, yeah. The guy's going to get suspended when you break somebody's elbow with the way that you foul him. So Draymond Green is not toxic. I wouldn't say so. Okay. Uh, we mentioned the story maybe. a couple of times, and it was actually a story you you had noticed you sent over. Poker player and uh, super VGK fan Daniel Negreanu oh. talked Boy. about the toxic atmosphere and leading the way at the, the uh, toxic atmosphere with VGK was GM Kelly McCrimmon. News just comes down about 35 minutes ago. McCrimmon's staying. He's a general manager. He's going to be staying on board. Uh, Dave Shane from the RJ has done a wonderful job the last couple of years covering that beat. He'll be leaving it. Uh, Shane said owner Bill Foley said Knights GM Kelly McCrimmon will return next season. Why'd you get annoyed at what Negreanu said? Well, I just think he is—he's Vegas sports fan personified, like just ma- like magnified to a massive level. Vegas sports fans kind of are irritating to a certain extent. We had this when UNLV, like with UNLV basketball and the Chris Wood days and whatnot. You're getting it with the Leonard stuff and pushing back—not even pushing back on him, just being downright insulting and terrible and whatnot. So he just reminds me of—it's not that he's anything special. It's just he reminds me of many Vegas sports fans that I've interacted with in my time. So what does it say to you that McCrimmon's coming back? Well, I mean, I think if you're getting down to basic results and what we have seen, while the season what you ex- isn't what you expected, there is still a 
there is still a very basic structure that tells you that this team could be successful next year, given some tweaks. The flip side of that is that there are people who think that the injury excuse about 500, you know, games, 500 man games missed was that was the risk they took by trying to play with the salary cap and it blew up in their face. Well, who orchestrated that? Pete DeBoer or management? Right. No, I understand. I'm not saying they're perfect by any stretch whatsoever. I think like the route you get or like you get to the destination of let's bring him back by saying there are things here that are positive that we could build on for next season. I think that's how you get there. It's such a crazy situation when you think about it from the hardcore VGK fan, uh, fan standpoint, right? The VGK fan standpoint. Okay, fo- folks, who should stay? DeBoer, McCrimmon, Leonard. <laughs> right? I think right. a lot of people will be like, none. Yeah. Get them all. Get rid of them all. And if McCrimmon's staying and maybe – Maybe the communication issues between DeBoer and the guys above him isn't as extreme as we think, but there were a lot of subtle messages by DeBoer. He seemed very frustrated at the end of the season. I mean, I would think if McCrimmon's staying that DeBoer's not going to be staying, but I also wonder from a fan standpoint right now, like I don't, I don't know if they want anyone to stay. I will say that what is a troubling trend that seems to be coming from this team is a disconnect between your head coach and the front office that's this multiple head coaches now, right? There, there is a disconnect there. Whatever it is, it has been there now for two different coaches. And that has to be something that has to be fixed. And what has been the common thread amongst that has been the front office of the Vegas Golden Knights. So if you're going to go to a third head coach and that disconnect still remains, well, then you really got to start looking in the mirror and realize that, okay, we either need to make changes in terms of how we handle things or make literal changes and change who's running things in that front office. If DeBoer goes, do you think he gets a job this next season? I I would say, given the like what I take in in terms of DeBoer, what he has thought of, I would tend to say no, but I'm not entirely sure about yeah. that. Adam Hill was saying he'd be scooped up like that. So I mean, Vegas the, by, scooped him up, right? By the way, what would that say? No, if they get rid of DeBoer... He gets a job immediately. Their old coach is a candidate for, for freaking coach, of, coach the of the year. One of the great turnaround stories in the Rangers. Just like I said, right? It, it, I think it would be it would be very strong evidence toward you got to look at yourself and realize what you're doing wrong as an organization. Coming up, we got to get you updated on uh, Jerry Jones. Is he okay? Car accident? I hope he's okay. Cofield and Company presents. Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. Grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. So do we have an update on Jerry Jones, the Cowboys owner, got into a car accident. Everything good? Uh, It sounds like he was being hospitalized uh, as a precautionary reason. Um, Do do we know if he was driving? uh, I haven't seen if he was driving or not. We know where he was driving. Why, Why is that of any significance? So I woke up this morning. And Harry Hines is trending on Twitter, what and is, I'm like, who's, is that? Yeah. who is that? I'm like, who's Harry Hines? Like, and why is it on mine? You know, the algorithm it would pop up something that I'd be interested in. I'm like, who the hell is Harry Hines? I've never heard this name before. Um, so I click on it. I'm like, it's got to be some sports figure that I've never heard of. Harry Hines apparently is a street, an area, in uh, Dallas, where you might often go to pick up a lady of the night, or as it was referred to, uh, tight ends, but not the football kind. And that may or may not have been where Jerry Jones got in his car accident. Hmm. 
Now. He's, he's 78 or 79, right? Yeah. yeah. And he's super rich. 45-year-old face, though. And he's super, <laughs> and he's super rich. Yeah. Sometimes when you got to go, you got to go. Yes. I, I tend to think that, I mean, there's obviously. I mean, I a, say that, and Robert Kraft was kind of. Yeah. Right. I don't, I'm not saying Jerry Jones got into an accident while he was trying, while he was doing something or, you know, but age, I'm not going to be an ageist. I learned that with Robert Kraft. You think there's more? Criminal, but a, apparently a, a, a very impressive specimen. You think there's more upscale places to find? I don't even think there's a place. I think you, when, you're, when you're a billionaire, I think your place is at home. Yeah. I tend. No, to, I don't mean staying away from the ladies. I mean they would come to you. Right. I tend to think that he was just in the area for whatever reason. He got in the car accident. But it's funnier to think that he got in a car accident on his way to pick up some strange. Can you imagine if we find out that he was doing that? Like, like a Jim Irsay type thing? Like what Raj like would a, be doing tomorrow? Like, a whole bunch of stuff in his car? I, like, Roger Goodell's like, what? Really? <laughs> it's like, I talk to these guys and tell them. I mean, but he Cut works for out. them. He works for them. It's just like Jerry probably hits him up. and like, God, hey, Raj, we got a little bit of an issue. You take care of that for like, me. Like, can he ever yell at anyone? Like, do you think oh, he's no yelled shot. at Dan Snyder? No shot. He, ne- he didn't yell at Kraft? Like, not even a joke? Like, really Robert. put me in a tough place, Rob. <laughs> One night and back in the morning? Like, what are you doing? I'd take $45 million to have those problems. That's a good point. <laughs> That's why he's paid well. I do kind of have his back. I mean, I think it seems a bit exorbitant still, yeah, but it's, the, the, the crew that he has to deal with and basically take all their crap and has right. no authority, like, you should get paid a lot for that. It's also why I laugh when everybody calls Roger Goodell an idiot. Like, he's making $50 million a year. Oh, he's... I don't think he's the idiot. (laughs) No. No. Stick your hand in there, Dave. And you know they've always been like this. Owners? Yeah. Or do you think they've gotten more brash? I think they've always been like this. Oh, they've always been like this. I don't know if you can get more brash, though, just given, you know, there's cameras everywhere, all blah, 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 all the cliches we talk about with social media. Well, I mean, was anyone surprised when Jerry Jones, when the – you know, the young lady comes out and it's like, yeah, that's my dad. We got paid hush money, but I want more. Yeah. I don't, I don't like think that he, was... had a, he had a, you know, a kid on the side. Right. I don't think anybody was surprised. If Drake can have a silent baby, then I think anybody can. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Well, I'm glad he's all right. I hope he's all right. A um, couple of hardcore football notes, at least one. Chargers continue to spend and spend on names. So we'll see if it works out for them. They got a uh, Broncos cornerback, what, yesterday in Bryce mm-hmm. Callahan. Kyle Van Noy, kind of a locker room guy. Reno guy? Reno guy, yeah. Um, so, Chargers continue to add, you know, nice pieces. Yeah. And you can do that when your quarterback doesn't make what the other quarterbacks in the division make. Enjoy it while you can. Uh, but also, we've seen plenty of teams add plenty of nice, new, shiny things in off seasons and have it add up to absolutely nothing when it comes to the regular season. So, hopefully you're adding the right guys. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Uh, news out, you know, we're going to have more of these neutral site games, college basketball in town. December 10th, Arizona and Indiana are going to play here. It's good for Arizona. Basketball, right? Uh, yeah, basketball. Yeah. I don't know if Indiana's going to travel. Maybe. I like it. Anytime Arizona comes to town, it's a good event because they're going to well, bring, you know, five or 6,000 fans, short trip, they spend money. Some of the – some of the. I mean, I'll go back to that Chris Wood year. I mean, the – came out here and they lost. Ooh. I mean, that crowd was freaking awesome, and a lot of that was Arizona. Last couple of notes. Uh, We told you earlier, Josh Baker, UNLV basketball transfer portal. Two days later, he's out. 
Grand Canyon, and local prep star, former local prep star, Frankie Collins, bailed on Michigan because Michigan recruited right over him. He had all these schools that were reaching out to him, and in two days he decided to go to Arizona State, which, like, I'm blown away by what Bobby Hurley has done in this offseason. He has players leave him all the time. Right. And both he and Alford have this reputation like they're not fun to play for. You don't have to coach like that. And he's Hurley has scooped up a whole bunch of transfer guys. And, it, I mean, Collins is a really promising guy. Yeah. What a good get. John, thank you. Danger Stanny, thank you. Jared, great job. Thanks to Silver Sevens. We'll see you.